set your priorities. Make sure that you know what you want before you start formulating how you're going to engage. So staffers do most of the work uh, in the office. Um, they're not necessarily experts by any stretch of the imagination on your issues. This is In the Know with ACCT, the voice of community college leaders. I'm Jacob Bray. For today's episode, we have part two of a session from our National Legislative Summit about student advocacy. This session happened before most of the students attending the session headed over to Capitol Hill to advocate for themselves and their institutions. Rosie O'Neill, an ACCT board member and trustee at Northern Virginia Community College, moderated the session, and Rich Williams, an officer for the Project on Student Borrower Success at the Pew Charitable Trust, also spoke along with a number of students. Student advocates have a tremendous impact in Washington because members of Congress and their staffers know that the students have firsthand knowledge on how national policy affects their lives and studies. So I would say, um, as we, as as I think about things uh, in, in the advocacy space, especially at the state level, which is where obviously you're here at the federal level, but obviously at the state level and the local level is where you'll do a lot of your advocacy. One, think about the best venue for what you're trying to achieve. Um, if if the problem on your campus is that essentially. Um, you you all don't have enough shared space uh, for recreation with something that the city owns. Don't go lobby your, your general assembly. Go to your city council. Go to your county board. Um, think about the appropriate venue for what for what you need and what you want. Um, and then after you figure out the venue, set your priorities. Um, we uh, Rich brought around uh, brought around some of the AACC's priorities that that an ACCT's priorities that you all have already set at the federal level. But for everything that you're trying to achieve, whether it be at the community college level or at the state level, um, set your priorities. Make sure that you know what you want before you start formulating how you're going to engage. And then we've already talked about telling your story, but I would also say, um, in addition to telling your story, you need to show whoever your advocacy target is your world. Show them your world. So you can do that in two ways. One, imagery is incredibly powerful. If you can't invite uh, your local elected official or your state elected official uh, to your campus for them to see it, take them pictures. Um, when I was uh, when I was uh, in the when I worked at the state level, um, I advocated for the National Guard, and um, we were advocating for more funding for state uh, uh, armories for National Guardsmen so that they could train. And we would we we couldn't get them to uh, the armories quick enough. There were so many across the state, so we literally just had a picture book that we flipped through and showed them pictures of ceilings falling down and troops getting injured because the equipment was not up to date. And that was a really powerful message uh, and a really powerful tool to use to basically send the message that they needed to do something or else the troops that, that, that rely on them are, are going to get hurt. Um, but also data is incredibly powerful. You know, we, we've heard a lot of talk at the federal level, and I think you're seeing even more talk at the state level about the cost of college. Talk about your finances as much as you're comfortable doing that. Talk about the fact that things are getting, um, that, that you may be cash strapped. You may be strapped for resources at the, at the college level or in your own personal life. That is very helpful for, um, for state legislators particularly to hear because a lot of times they're going into appropriations hearings, they're going into to finance hearings, and they're making difficult decisions about where to allocate money. And you wanna take the chance that you sharing your personal story about how expensive college is for you sticks with them so that when they go in there and they cast their vote or they're making those decisions behind those closed doors about where the funding should go that they remember that they met with a community college student in their office and they said that they were struggling. And then, 
another big piece is following up. Um, once you go in and you talk to that legislator, or you talk to their staff, or you talk to that local elected official or their staff, follow up with them. Email them. Thank them for taking the time to be with you. Thank them for any, uh, for any commitments they make to help you uh, reach your goal and to help achieve your priority that you set before you went in there. And more importantly, continue to follow up with them. Even if you don't get a response, email them. Make them feel guilty. Um, and essentially hope that whatever, whenever they open their email, even if they're not responding to you, um, that they see what you're asking for and they remember what your priorities are. And then finally, score them. Um, grade them. You are held accountable in your, in your studies by the grades that you make. You can't graduate if you get an F in every class. And really, uh, more importantly, um, the, uh, the, the elected officials that you are working with and, and the elected officials that you will advocate, they, they are held by the same standards you are. Grade them. If, if you all ask a state legislator for something or you ask a local elected official for something and they don't deliver or they don't lift a finger to even help you get there, to call your local paper, give them a grade based on what, uh, based on what they actually did for you, and uh, I guarantee that they'll listen to you next time. Also give them a thumbs up if they actually did the work and got it done, right? So that's very important as well. You mentioned the word staffer. When you go on the Hill or where you go to your local jurisdiction, your state, you may not have a chance to run into the governor or into the actual legislator, and you have to speak with the staff. Sometimes, I noticed, this happened to me just last week in Richmond, we are advocating for our college, and a staffer is on the phone doing this. Okay? He's, he is the person in front of me. Talk to us a little bit about working with staffers because they have a lot on their plate. Yeah. Um, so I guess I can speak to a little bit to my experience being a staffer. Um, so I uh, guarantee you, um, so staffers do most of the work uh, in the office. Um, they're not necessarily experts by any stretch of the imagination on your issues. That doesn't mean they're not smart or talented, but particularly if you're meeting with a personal office, um, at least for a federal representative or senator, um, I have um, uh, worked with staffers who have 14 different issue areas that they're working on. And I'm not talking Pell Grants and student loans as two issues. I'm talking all of education, all of federal transportation, all of healthcare, like these are really big issue areas and they can go maybe a centimeter deep on them um, because they have so many things they have to cover. Um, and so when you're coming in to talk about your experiences, um, this may be one of the first times that staffers have really thought uh, about some of the issues that particularly community college students are dealing with or students in general. Um, and so I can, I, you know, I can tell you all staffers are very eager to learn as much as they can. Uh, but these are kind of the frontline folks of the office, um, kind of translating all of the incoming from, um, from constituents and boiling it down to what do their bosses, their members need to know. So you might hear staffers say, oh, my boss thinks this, my boss thinks that. Just the representative or the senator uh, thinks these things. So it's a great opportunity to learn from them too um, because 
oftentimes they're not experts in the issue area, but they do know a lot more about what their boss thinks about an issue. So it's a great opportunity to be like, you know, you know, what does my representative think about Pell Grants? What does my you know, representative think about like Higher Education Act? And that staffer is a helpful way to a person that can communicate those things. These are also folks you won't just meet um, uh, this trip. These are folks you can call up anytime. So one of the things, one of the biggest missed opportunities, I think, when it comes to you know federal advocacy, there's DC staff, but there's always offices in districts um, and in state too. Um, so a different set of staff, uh, but anyone can always call up either the federal office or the state office and talk to staff about these issues. Um, so think about your experience over the next few days um, and think about opportunities as you know, you're working on issues similar to this when you go back home um, and opportunities to do an in-person visit with some of these congressional districts, uh, district offices, uh, whether it's just picking up the phone and chatting um, or going in and requesting a meeting similar to what you'll do here in DC. Hmm. Talk to us a little bit about that, but also about leaving written material behind. So first on staff, I would say this, you know, you, you need an advocate that stays behind in that office for you, um, whichever office you're meeting with, local, state, federal. And honestly, if you get really get through to a, to a staffer, um, they will continue to fight for you. They will continue to make sure that your priorities are continue to be heard in that office long after you leave, long after you travel back to wherever you came from. Um, so I would encourage you, you know, even, even as someone who represents the governors, I do most, I do 95% of my work at the staff level. I talk to governor's staff, even to communicate governor's priorities to the Hill. To derive what those priorities are, I am mostly talking to governor's staff. Uh, even though on, on my business card it says I work for the governors. I work for the governors, but I also work for their staff. And so what I would say is, for you, all of you who are thinking about um, who you should target and who you should aim to meet with whenever you're lobbying at the federal, state, or local level, the staff can be a powerful tool, and in most cases, and as someone who lobbies here in DC, I would much rather talk to a staff director for the chairman of a committee than the chairman him or herself. Now, uh, as far as leave behinds, um, I, I am probably gonna be different than everybody up here. Uh, I think leave behinds are important. I think, I think if they are well done and they have appropriate data on them, then yes, you should, you should have something that you can leave behind with those staffers. But to be honest, paper is becoming less and less important. If you follow up via email with a, with a PDF copy of whatever you're talking about, even if you don't have a physical copy with you, that is more important. Because as someone who has pile, as someone who gets lobbied as often as I lobby, people come in and want to get, want to get the positions of governors swayed in a specific direction. And I have on my desk stacks of paper this big. But when I need to find something, when I'm looking for something, I'm going back to my email. So I would say electronic follow-up is 10 times more important than having a piece of paper that you're there with to leave behind. This is also another reason um, follow-up is so important. Um, so uh, a lot of staffers don't know what they need until they need it. And that's often 24 to 48 hours before they actually need to know um, the thing that they don't know. Um, so basically, because they're working on so many things, um, they might need to know, you know, experience of a student or like the like find a Pell Grant student to share a story, but they won't know they need that until they are notified 48 hours before a committee uh, session. Um, so it's really important to stay in contact with these offices and follow up so that they know um, to re they can reach out to you for help uh, when they need it. 
So let's use the mics because we were just going to open it up to questions and there are mics on both sides. Excellent. Super quick. So you guys have talked about following up. Um, how long should it take for us to follow up? Should we follow up the next day, next three days, a week? Tell us who you are and what's your college. Hello, my name is Edwin Hernandez. I'm the student trustee for Grossmont College in San Diego, California. All right. Every time we say that out loud, we hear it and we remember it. All right. So, yeah. how so, often? I mean, as someone who gets incredibly busy after my Hill meetings, if I follow up within a week, I still think that that makes an impact. Obviously, you want to do it when it's fresh, but sometimes it's it's the right time. And also, also, you have to remember that, especially at the federal level, some of the staff that you'll meet with over the next couple of days, they're incredibly busy. There is a lot going on. Some of them are worrying, worried about you know, whether the government's going to be open at the end of this week. And so just given everything that's going on here, you know, maybe if you follow up next Wednesday, um, you know, and the government is still open, you, you actually may have more of an impact. Uh, you actually may have more of an impact than if you followed up on Friday. So it really, it is about timing. Just make sure that, you know, honestly, I think it's a smell test, right? I think it's w after meeting with them, if, if there is something pressing, if there's a vote coming up in the state house, if there's a vote coming up at the local level, if there's a vote coming up or some sort of pending action at the federal level, getting that information to them as soon as possible is important. But if there is something that is a little ways down the road, for instance, a lot of you are gonna be talking about Higher Education Act reauthorization. Um, obviously be as responsible as you can, but you know, Higher Education Act reauthorization, we're not gonna see a vote on that anytime in the next couple of months. Uh, and so, unless I'm wrong, and, and maybe. years maybe. <laughs> um, and so what I would say is you've got some time. So really it is a smell test and just make sure that you know, you're not following up months later. Yeah. The only thing I'll add is um, follow up is one thing, um, but be proactive too. Um, so the follow-up from the meetings you'll have is super important. Send the, you know, any leave-behinds you have, you can attach to an email. Um, but take the opportunity to then every, you know, few weeks for a few months, there's no necessary rule of how often you can check in with these folks. Definitely feel like empowered to be proactive with the, with the issues that, you know, you're facing. And I would, I actually, one piece of advice, I mean, higher education, I mean, most of your agenda is higher education. So you're talking about a bill that has that expired and largely expired in 2013, a bill that has not happened, has not passed Congress in the past 11 years. And so what I would say is, you know, if you pay attention to what's going on, if you if you subscribe to the daily email from InsideHigherEd.com, and you see kind of what the what the HEA uh, what the HEA situation is, and as news breaks, you see that. If when you see news break, you follow up and you say, hey, I know you, you may not remember me, but my name is so-and-so and I met with you on this day and, and we talked about the Higher Education Act, these issues are still important to me, I'd be pretty impressed as a Hill staffer if, if you're able to do that. I also think that, you know, especially if you're meeting with congressional members or, or staff of congressional members in your district, take some sort of brochure from their office. Take, take you know, if they if they give you something, if they, if they give you a gift as a student, keep that and then take it back and months later, weeks later, go take a picture with whatever has that candidate or that, that member's face on it somewhere on your campus and email them a picture. Those types of personal touches that give them some sort of thing to talk about with the senior staff in their office or, or even their boss, that makes a difference. The, the political is just as important as the policy and those sorts of things are, are politics plain and simple. Other questions from the floor? Please, one of the, I don't know which mic is closer. Tell us who you are, what is your college? Um, Elizabeth Weber, Rancho, oh, Santa Ana College, Rancho Santiago District. Um, so my question is, um, huh? 
California. Yeah. Okay, so my question is, a lot of us are very invested in our community colleges and many of us are gonna be transferring. Our roles are very short term, especially when it comes to actual change or substantial change on our campuses. How do we still stay active and involved even when we're still pursuing our higher ed? Or how did you guys do it? Great question. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's hard, right? Um, particularly for, so we did, um, I'd have done various levels of organizing uh, when I was a student at a community college and then organizing with community college students. And that's always, it's always the hard part with students generally. It's even harder with community college students because, um, you know, you're not in community college that long. You transfer, you get your certificate, you move on. Um, I think there's a couple, it depends on your state. California uh, has some advantages that some other states might not. But generically, I mean, you know, uh, this conference, the people you meet here are a great way to stay in contact. Also, the professional staff that work with the organization um, are an infrastructure that you can continually follow up with. Um, you know, the trustees that you work with right now are going to be, you know, still engaged in many of these issues and can be advocates and ways to stay in touch. Some states like California have statewide student associations um, that work both with um, students generically, but also can sometimes specialize with community college uh, students and uh, more four-year public students. So taking a look at what infrastructure kind of uh, student organizing has within your state can provide some avenues too. Yeah, this is, uh, this is something we'll talk about in the Student Advisory Committee. Uh, how do we factor in that alumni perspective uh, since you have an outcome perspective, right, and, and can give us some feedback on that. Part of the reason this committee was established, as I'm looking at Bakari, was because we really value, as a board, your points of view. ACCT has a very robust website. We have a head of communications. I was looking for David to see if he was still in the room. He was taking pictures earlier. But another way is to just contact ACCT. Let us know what's going on. We are here because of you. And, uh, and that's really kind of our whole reason for being. So always a way to do that. There was a question on the other side of the floor. Yes, Tabitha, right? Thank you. Yeah, hi, come on, come on up to the. I actually wanted to answer her question if that was okay. Sure. If I could like give and tell a, us, a tip. Tell everybody else who you are. I know okay. who you are. <laughs> Hi everyone. My name is Tabitha Ann Bloodsaw and I'm an alumna of Passaic County Community College in New Jersey. I'm sorry I have my back to you all. Um, I graduated community college two years ago and I'm here. So that should be, and I can speak for all the New Jersey trustees, alumni trustees, we are here and some of us graduated a while ago. Um, we're here because our administrators see a value in us. We have the experience. Um, we have the knowledge that we can share with younger trustees, or, or not younger, newer trustees um, and students. Uh, for me personally, um, I, I don't know if any of you are in Phi Theta Kappa. I love Phi Theta Kappa. <laughs> and I stay with Phi Theta Kappa. I stay engaged, I stay involved, um, and I do my own thing. Uh, so I'm not necessarily attached to my chapter, or to my college. I kind of still help out here and there, you know, wherever I'm needed. And that's kind of my role now as an alumna. Um, and I think the alumni in the room can speak to that. You know, you're not doing the work for the next trustee, the next student president or anything. You're just kind of there to support them, but you're also trying to find ways to still support while kind of doing you. I hope that helps. Okay, <laughs> great. Thank you.
Hey everyone, I want to take a quick break to remind you all that the 50th annual ACCT Leadership Congress is coming up and we're looking for innovative presentations from ACCT member colleges and affiliates. Check out congress.acct.org for our call for presentations, registration, to find out about sponsorship opportunities and more. And now, back to the show. Hello, everyone. I'm Sabora from Bergen Community College, New Jersey. Ooh, um, Jersey. So um, I've, this is actually my fifth time that I attend an advocacy meeting or like going and advocating on behalf of community colleges. And the reason why I'm doing it is that the first time that I did it was kind of similar with the shirt thing. But then I <laughs> had the chance to meet the senator. So like I was like I wanted a picture with a senator. Um, and uh, we started talking to him about Bergen Community College, the college that I represented, and he, the words that, and we were asking him for more money. That's what our professors told us to say. And um, at the, it was this moment when he said, oh, you guys are okay. Like, Bergen Community College, I've been there. You guys are great. And at the second, I felt so good. I was like, okay, my community college is so good. Like, why am I even here? And um, then I went home, and I started realizing that I did a mistake. I wasn't there just advocating on behalf of my community college. I was there advocating for all community college in New Jersey, all community college in the nation. So sometimes it is true, like our community colleges are important. They're super important because like we're personally connected with them. But same as we had our personal story with our community college, everyone in this room had their personal story. Everyone in all our community colleges had their personal story. So let's all think big. Think that every student is important and we're all important. And when we advocating is not just about our college, but we're advocating on behalf of our fellow students. Thank so you. don't do the mistake that I That's did right. when I was told that my community was community college was great and I felt so good about it. But let me think more about the things that we can improve because nothing is okay. Like nothing is perfectly okay. Everything needs um, working on to become better. Very yeah, good. Thank you. Great piece of advice from a warrior right at the front line. Yes, please join us. Hi, uh, Jacob Velasquez from Riverside, California um, Community College. Kind of to follow up on her, the question I'm asking is like, what's more impactful because um, I've lobbied before, just like once or twice today actually, I'm coming back from that. What's more impactful in terms of whether or not you tell your own personal story or in terms of telling your story, not your story, but a story of the students that you represent. Sometimes the, the issues that your college is facing or your district is facing or all your state is facing is not necessarily reflected upon yourself, but rather um, there's many stories to that. So what would be more impactful when you're actually lobbying for the students, like telling your own personal story or kind of making it a more broader perspective? Mm -hmm. So how do you actually do that? Uh, you can do both. Yeah. You can do both. I mean, you you can tell your own personal story, but you can also tell the story of other community college students that you've met, or, or just the story of your state. You know, it's uh, there is this. Um, I'm going to go nerdy for a minute. I'm sorry. There's this. There's this uh, study that comes out every January. It's called the Grapevine Survey. It's it's done at Illinois. Uh, it's done in Illinois, and I think, you know, one of the strategies I would I would throw out there for you is one: tell your own personal story about affordability. Tell your own personal story about what community colleges meant for you, and then show what your state, you know, the fluctuations and what your state is spending on 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 colleges just in general. I mean, you can tell the broad. Basically, you can shape your personal story uh, to to really 
be a, a catalyst for, for telling where colleges and universities are heading now when it comes to public policy decision making. Mm -hmm. I agree. <laughs> All right, we have it here. Hi, my name is Osman. I'm from uh, Madison College, Wisconsin. I'm a st student trustee. So I just want to add um, on the, this question, the question that was asked just recently. Um, like, uh, it is important to share your own story, but also it's important to share your colleague's story as well. So um, why I take part on this leadership, like a uh, student body, is because of like, uh, it's, all, it's all about textbook. I, I walk into the bookstore and ask for the textbook, and then for three classes, they charge me $600. I get out from the class, I walk all the way to student senate office. I told them that, what are you guys doing about this cost of this textbook? So from there, I went to class, on my psychology class, instructor asked the student, what make you feel stressed? They talk, the students start talking about the high cost of textbook, and then and the high cost of the tuition fee. So that gave me the guts and then courage to take a step from there. So I started getting involved in the student body and also involved in the Student Affairs Council. And then we bring down the issues on student uh, textbook rental programs. That's what, um, right now our college, we work on the policy about textbook rental programs, whereby students pay $7 per credit to get their textbook. Meaning if you are taking 12 credits, you're paying $84 to get all your textbook for that semester. So that means that like, you try to change things that you see necessary to be changed. You know, that's gonna you know, have a great impact, positive impact in all of the students in your campus. Thank you. Pain points are great places to start. And congratulations for your work on Absolutely. that. Yeah. Hi, my name is uh, Max Hirschfeld. I'm from City College of San Francisco in California. Um, and I wanted to ask you about how to uh, differentiate between the local office of our House of Representatives and the DC office, um, and how we go about deciding whether we want to contact our local office or our DC office for a lot of these issues. I mean, I would say both. Um, so they, they generally are, um, and I don't have an exact science on this, but um, the federal office um, generally focuses on the what's happening kind of day-to-day -day, um, with Congress. Um, and they're generally the input for, like if you're calling up your member of Congress, most people kind of end up going through the federal office. Um, I think there is uh, advantages uh, specifically of also including um, your local offices because people forget, uh, forget that they're there. Um, so you can sometimes get staff that are much more attuned to the actual um, politics um, and have a direct connection to the district. Um, and you might be able to find uh, ev uh, advocates with more time to work within the office. So I would say both. Thank you. I'd agree, uh, but just, just one additional element. I, I would say you all should really consider keeping in touch with your local offices because a lot of times there are listening sessions done mm -hmm. um, with those local staff that work out of those regional offices within the state for, or within the district. And uh, you should invite them to come to a listening session or a town hall just with the staff at your, at your, at your campus. Um, they, they will do it, or at least they will strongly consider it. Um, and I think that that is a nice way for one to show the staff at the local level um, what your campus looks like, what you're asking for, um, to interact directly with them, but it's also a way to eventually get the member there. Hmm. Very, you. very good point. One last 
question, comment, and then, oh, there's another one. Okay, so two more, let's be quick, because we have we actually have an assignment, all of us in this room, which I'll tell you about in just about a minute. Hi, I'm Michael Simon from Mott Community College in Flint, Michigan. I, just, I wanted to piggyback on that because I've had three kind of incarnations of my life. One, as a college student, where I did what many of you do and lobby at the state and federal level. Uh, number two, I was a district staffer for 12 years. Uh, representing educational issues and so uh, just to answer your question give a little bit more in-depth yeah. I we used to always say the DC office does the paperwork they deal in legislation uh, whereas the district office does the people work if you have a specific problem everything from uh, you know you want a new bus stop to you have an issue with Social Security or a passport you call the district office for that they're the ones who are going to be more on the ground in terms of that they don't deal with legislation and now but as I said you know two incarnations in my life I was a student lobbyist, then I became uh, a staffer for 12 years. Now I work at a community college where part of my job is uh, sending uh, delegations and organizing federal and state lobbying trips of which I'm very proud to say that we are the only community college in Michigan who regularly makes it a, 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 a part, part of our delegation to have students. And we have the largest delegation every year for our state lobby day because we fill it with students and as the adults adults we don't say a word we let the students handle everything I brief them I give them the, our priorities but we let the students do all the talking because nobody tells the story better than the students awesome so, so there's a career pathway in this too so just making that one dot connect there okay and we have our final comment question story hi it's uh, kind of short um, so I kind of have a long comment. So okay, I'm to first tell us who you are I'm and then Nafisa take Maida. your time. <laughs> I'm from uh, Barton College in Champaign, Illinois. And uh, so I'm an international student. And I mean, I don't know really who to target to advocate for international students because I understand that uh, I'm in the US, so it's American students first and everything, but I mean, we pay like, at least at Parkland, like six times more what American students pay. Don't really know why. And we don't really have a lot of information for um, international students. Like even today at the meeting for the free colleges, I wanted to ask if that would impact international students as well, but probably not. And I mean, we pay our taxes, we do everything, but we, it's not like there's a lot of information out there for us. And if we, I did want to advocate, like, who should I target? Like, who should I talk to to get more information and try to have some changes for international <coughs> students? Too? So, so I've been having some conversations on on just making sure that the that the U.S. and U.S. colleges makes uh, continues to be a welcoming atmosphere for international students. And I can tell you, you know, some problems have arisen over the past. A uh, few years, couple of years, what, whatever time frame I can put on it that doesn't sound partisan, and so um, and so basically, what I would say is you should you should focus your efforts primarily at the federal level. Um, I, I would say one of the things is <laughs> to folks up here who who often uh, who often lobby the U.S. Department of Education. Um, that's important, but actually the State Department is incredibly important in recruiting uh, in, international students. Um, so I, I honestly would I would I would dig into this a little bit, see if you can find some other student groups, uh, international student groups, and other states that are doing some work on on making sure that international students are represented and have a voice. Um, but then I would also uh, make sure that. Um, you're, you're thinking about the folks in the state 
that benefit from international students. So some of the biggest advocates for, for, for instance, immigration reform here in Washington, D.C., are the business groups or the technology groups like Microsoft who want a, a strong uh, who, who want a strong international contingent of students in the states just because a lot of the students that come to the United States from abroad to do their higher education in the country they actually uh, they're, they they stick around and they also are majoring in the majors that that they want to employ and so I would say, look at some of the private the private companies within your state in Illinois. I, I know that there are some tech firms there um, that that would, are likely employing international students after they graduate from U.S. institutions, and look at what they're doing to make sure that there is a, there is a, a welcoming atmosphere for international students, and also making sure that there is there's a way for you all to stay here and be employed. All right. Well, thank you very much, not only to our panelists, but really to all of you for really such a wonderful and dynamic conversation. This is going to continue uh, beginning at 3.30 with our tr Student Trustee Advisory Committee. Um, but let's go ahead and give both Rich and Stephen a hand and <laughs> gratitude for great insights. This has been part two of a two-part series on student advocacy. As always, thank you for listening and don't hesitate to get in touch if you have ideas for future episodes. We'll see you next week.